welcome to The Being Leader. I'm Annabel Graham. Welcome to this episode of The Being Leader, the podcast that discusses how we need to show up and be as leaders. Reflecting on what impacts our behaviours, our relationships and our outcomes, and allows us to focus more on our approach to leading ourselves, our teams and our organisations. Over the last few episodes, we've been exploring the different conditions that are needed to enable a high-performing team. And we've looked at the first three stages of Patrick Lencioni's five behaviours of a team model. We've explored vulnerability-based trust and why this is the bedrock for enabling our team to work and to work effectively. We've looked at the need for healthy conflict to ensure that we're heard that we have diversity of thought in our conversations and in our teams, and that we enable all voices in the room to play a part, rather than feeling that they have to sit back, be quiet, and feel ignored. And we've looked at how this enables commitment to ideas and to decisions, and allows team members to wade into ideas and take them on board, even if it wouldn't necessarily be the decision that they would have made if they were on their own. So the next stage I want to look at is accountability. But before we explore this, I want to pause a minute and really think about what this actually means because I think we get confused at times, especially with that other word which often gets used either instead of or as well as responsibility. So the dictionary definition of accountability is a willingness to accept responsibility for our own actions. In ethics and governance, accountability is deemed as answerability and the expectation of account giving. Responsibility, however, is defined as something that is your job or duty to deal with. So there we have it, accountability. Accepting responsibility for something and taking ownership for our own actions. Responsibility and accountability are similar, but they're not the same. You can make someone else responsible, but only you can take accountability for what you do. So when we think about that, what does it actually mean in real life? When we put it into the context of being in a team, how does that show up? It means that we're doing what you said you were going to do. You know, like completing that action on time, sending the report when you said you would, doing the one-to-one that you booked in your diary at the date and time you booked it, turning up to the meeting that you accepted on time, prepared, all those things that don't happen in a normal busy week. It also means taking ownership. So holding your hands up when you forget to do something, you know, admitting you were wrong, not laying the blame at somebody else's door or being Teflon coated. It means following up. If you've delicate gated something, make sure it happens. Check in, support, mentor and coach. Remember, if you've delegated it, they're responsible, you are accountable. So it's not down to them to make sure it happens, it's down to you, even if you don't physically do it. And then when we think about accountability for other people, we need to hold them to account. You know, call them out when they haven't done something, check in on an action. How often do you go into meetings, agree a whole load of things and then never talk about them again? Is it any wonder nothing gets done? There's nothing wrong with saying, We agreed that you were going to do this by Friday. Have you done it yet? And why shouldn't you do that to a team member? Holding them accountable for not doing something they said they were going to do, whether they report to you or whether they're a peer. Now think about it. How often do you actually do those things? Sometimes, 
occasionally or never. Now here's my issue with accountability. We say we want to do it, say we're going to take things on board and we're crap at it. We delegate it, we forget about it, we blame somebody else, we pass the book, everything but actually be accountable for our own actions and hold our hands up when it goes wrong. So why is that? Why are we so bad at it? Well, the truth is, accountability is down to us. If we want people in our team to be accountable, we have to be seen to be doing it first. So as a team member or a team leader, I need to be being accountable for myself before other people will even think it's the case. And I can't expect others to do it and not do it if I'm not doing it myself. You know, we learn by role modeling. We've talked about this in previous episodes. And I can't say to people, I want you to be accountable, then don't do it. That's just like the pot calling the kettle black. Also, we can't be accountable one minute and not the next. If we take it, it's got to be something we do the whole time. And if you were leading a team and you're wanting people to be accountable, that accountability applies to everybody. You can't have one rule for one and not for the other and let them off the hook. You know, that's not fair. People will see that and we don't like fairness. It unsettles us fundamentally. Um, Consistency is absolutely a key issue. You have to follow up and hold people to account all the time, every time, irrespective of who they are. You can't have favorites. And and accountability is the difference between success and failure. If we shirk the things that they were accountable for, that's when we blame others. That's when we don't deal with problems that we just let them snowball. But when we take on accountability and things go wrong, then we fix them because we know it's, our, it's, it's up to us. And that means we make things happen, which means ultimately we have success. And if we're trying to create successful, high-performing teams, we need accountability. And that's not just me saying it or a model by Patrick Lencioni. It's across all of the key team theorists. You know, if you think about um, Katzenbach and Smith, who wrote The Wisdom of Teams, surveyed thousands of teams um, when they were working for McKinsey in partnership with Harvard Business School. They defined a team as a small group of people who are committed to a common purpose, goal and approach for which they hold themselves mutually accountable. Note that, mutually accountable. That means if you're a team and you have, as a team, committed to saying that you're going to deliver something, everybody in that team is accountable. You all have a responsibility to make the goal that you've agreed to happen. Therefore, if one of those team members isn't pulling their weight and isn't doing what they said they were going to do, you need to call them out for it. You need to hold them to account. That's what mutual accountability means. It isn't the team manager's job to do it, to play mum or dad. Team members should be going to them. You know, you should be doing it yourselves. You shouldn't be going to your team leader and saying, well, Jeff didn't complete the deadline. Can you have a word with him? That's rubbish. You're acting like a child and getting somebody else to do the dirty work for you. Man up. Go and talk to Jeff and tell him he's out of line. You're his teammate. If you're working and are mutually accountable to things, he has as much right to be challenged by you as by his boss. So when we go and we talk to Jeff, we as a team become self-managing. 
And that's key to enable us to get to the high performing team stage. One of the other key theorists in, in, in teams is Bruce Tuckman, who you've probably heard of his model, you just won't know who he is. Um, that forming, norming, storming and performing, and I've probably talked about it before. So these are the stages that a team goes through and they often repeat, you know, it's not linear, it, it can be quite cyclical. And every team will go through these before they disband as a team. And this isn't just theory. I see this happening all of the time in the teams I've ran, in the teams I've been part of, and in the teams I work with now. You know, this is a key team dynamic and it's a really obvious one from a behaviour point of view. Now, performing is the fourth stage. And at that point, teams have got healthy conflict. They are self-managing. They are holding each other to account. They are giving up their own ambitions for the good of the team because the team goal is more important to their own. So all of those things that Lencioni's model says is the thing that we should be doing. And when we think of the other stages to get there, they're all important. You know, we've all been through the forming stage where we start to build trust. Um, and we've probably been in the storming stage when we're working through team conflict. And then we come out the other side into norming. And that's where trust is established. We have a common purpose. We know why we're doing what we're doing. We have a team charter. So a set of rules by which we hold ourselves accountable and we have clear goals and roles agreed. Only at that stage can we start to move to performing. And to do that, to move to performing, there needs to be commitment, accountability, and absolutely laser focus on results. Now, when we get to that performing stage, the team manager can start to step back and coach and the team will start to lead themselves. And who doesn't want a self-governing team as a team manager? God, that would be wonderful. But often we never get there. You know, I'd say maybe one in 10, two in 10 possibly get there. And why is that? Well, when I talk to teams and we ask about, you know, are you happy to speak up in in the team meeting, um, are you? do you feel like your team members deliver? Actually, fundamentally, we don't focus on building trust. And because we don't build trust, we don't have good conflict, therefore we don't get diverse opinions, we don't commit to things, we just talk about it behind each other's back when we're annoyed about it. We don't call people out for not being accountable, therefore stuff doesn't necessarily happen. So all of that is important, we don't build trust, we don't necessarily agree the common purpose, the goals and ways of working, and we don't establish what is and what isn't okay in terms of conflict. You know, if only every person who, when I stand in a, in a workshop and I say, have you heard of Tuckman? And they go, oh yeah, and raise a hand. If only they just applied it. It's not a model, it's a way of working. You know, it's real life. So this happens. Pay attention to where your team is at. You know, if you don't know this, go back, look at the model, think about where your team is. Think about what you have and haven't done. You know, as team coaches, the first thing we do when we start working with a team is to talk about trust, to get them to be clear on their common purpose, to agree how they're gonna to work together and what those roles are. You know, that's fundamental, that's day one stuff. Therefore, as managers, we should be doing it. When we do get to that performing stage, however, so much different and you will know when you get there it's easeful it has energy 
you know, if you think about cars gliding down a motorway, you know, at high speed, everyone knowing what they're doing, they're avoiding each other, it looks like a dance. And that's what it's like when you're in a team that's performing. Everyone's clear on their role, they're focused in their effort. The results are excellent and consistent and the team easily overcomes obstacles. Don't get me wrong, it slips back into storming and it has a hefty debate about things, but it gets itself out of it really quickly and it gets that laser focus back on again. And it delivers again and again, you know, and the team resets itself and challenges itself as it needs to. So think about your team, what needs to happen? And that could be the team that you run or you're part of. Have you established common team goals, a team purpose and a great way of working that all of you are signed up to? Do you know what is okay and what is not okay within your team? If not, go and do that first. Have you had the expectations conversation, go back about four podcasts, with everybody in the team? And have they had it with each other? You know, have you got to know each other and build trust and really agreed how you will individually work together as well as how you work in that team? Have you made it psychologically safe for people to be able to speak out, to challenge and say what they feel without fear of retribution, ridicule or judgment? And do you make sure you get commitment from people, even if they disagree with the decision and that they stick to what they said they were going to do? Do you demonstrate accountability in everything that you do? Are you happy for people to challenge? And do you challenge others when things doesn't happen? Do you challenge your team and make sure that they deliver for you too? And finally, who's the manager in your team? Who's the leader? Can you actually tell? No? Because if that's the case, if you can't tell who's leading, then you cracked it. You've got to that high performing stage because everyone is showing up. So keep doing what you're doing. So look, thanks for listening today. If you like this episode, go back and listen to a podcast a couple, um, three or four ago on trust and also on conflict and commitment if you haven't already done so. Because without these three things, accountability and results really don't happen. And if this podcast has been useful, then please send it to your colleagues and friends who might find it useful too. Thanks for listening to The Being Leader.